All right, are we all ready to record? Okay, cool. Um, we have the wolves. Ready? Ready? Cool. Okay. Um, and one, two, one, two, three, and. He's the hairy-handed man who's run amok in Portland. Lately, he's been overheard in Brunswick. You better stay away from him. He'll rip your lungs out, salty Jim. Ahoo, werewolves a banger. Feeling it. Let's do it. Moose crossings, red hot dogs, missing persons in salty bugs. Up to camp with Stephen King. River curses, Wesley sings. Homegrown horror. Hello. Homegrown horror. <laughs> We're just looking at <laughs> like this has been like the thing lately. It's just like, <laughs> when are you gonna stop? Well, I've been thinking. Yeah, I've been seeing if we can like recreate the magic of like harmonization, like we've done a couple times. It's not uh, happening today. No, no, it's not. The is- signs are off. Welcome to Homegrown Horror, the main spooky podcast. A main spooky podcast about main spooky, spooky things. things. True crime, cryptids, horror. Today is werewolves. Uh, that is uh, B, a co-host. Uh, and that's Jackson, a co-host. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited about today. Like, you you did a deep dive on Maine werewolves. I'm so excited. Yeah. And, like, um, it's really funny. So, yesterday, I actually went to go see Renfield. Mm. So, yesterday was all about vampires. Today's all about werewolves. <laughs> You're really going through, like, the universal, like, IP right yeah. now. One thing that That's about I, half of it for them. <laughs> one thing that I wish I could cover, but there's, like, not... A ton of information on because Maine don't know if you know this Maine was actually part of a wide a New England wide vampire hunt really there was like a vampire scare there was a vampire scare if you're not from it's, it, most of what is that what black mass is about no okay <laughs> most of what occurred happened in like that we have real good documentation of was in Connecticut. Of course. But Maine was part of it. But be, like, long story short, people were dying of tuberculosis. And, and they, they thought, equated it to vampires? Yes. What a logical step. Yep. Because like, wh- I believe her name was Mercy Brown. She died of tuberculosis. And then her brother started getting sick. And they thought Mercy was coming back to suck out his blood and that's what it is instead of just being like oh it's an illness that is passed on and they like knew about tb at this point no this is like they didn't this is let me let me get dates for you but yeah that's something that i i did look into at one point because i was like i really want to cover it some other podcasts have covered it i highly recommend like it's a fascinating thing new england vampire panic seems like our kind of thing okay so we're we are in the 19th century 19th century so we're talking uh like the first victim was in um the first victim that was exhumed 
was in 1793. Okay, okay. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah. In Vermont, actually, is the first time that someone was exhumed. But, you know, we have some in... Oh, there was actually one in Ohio. So someone in Ohio got scared. You lucky, lucky duck. (laughs) But yeah, Mercy Brown is the one that is the most documented Mm -hmm. because they just went... Whole hog, this is a vampire. It was... We got a vampire amongst us. So, yeah. But at least Maine has some werewolf action. Hell yeah. Now, we've covered the Palmyra werewolves before. But I didn't realize this was so widespread for Maine. Many moons ago. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So... We've discussed the Pamara werewolves, which we, well, I can't remember what the consensus was. I, th- I don't think we had a consensus. I think we were kind of on opposite sides. We were just kind of like. I think I just thought it was some tall deer. <laughs> oh, that is what you said, I think. Yeah, yeah. It was some like some deer. Tall deer standing on two legs. Yep. <laughs> but de- so. Very polite, gentlemanly deer. Yep. Maine inherited a lot of tales of canine shapeshifters. So today. I'm going to honor our Acadian and Quebeca ancestors. <laughs> we are going to talk about the history of the Lou Garou. With La Lou Garou. La Lou Garou. Ooh, love it. <laughs> Which translates to Man Wolf Man. <laughs> <laughs> So there's no, like, thing to just say Wolfman. Man, man wolf, wolf Man. man. That's very man-bear-pig energy. Yep. These are their stories. Half man, half wolf, half man. <laughs> uh, so this is, these these werewolves are not quite, they're not quite the same breed as werewolves that we're familiar with. I pulled, Christopher Packard does, uh, in Mythical Creatures of Maine, actually has a great sort of bit about it. So he gives us a great primer. Hunting only at night, they favor children and lone adults. They like to ambush their prey, often at bridges. If you are ever hunted by a werewolf, you are in a battle for your life. But it doesn't take silver bullets to fight, fight against the Lou They can be injured or killed by normal means. In fact, the surest way to save yourself is to draw blood from the creature. Doing so will cause it to change back into a human and run away. Some protection from werewolves can also be offered by religious faith. They are said to fear holy objects, churches, and consecrated ground, and some have even been turned away by the holy words of a faithful person. Sounds very much like a vampire. Sounds like a vampire, yep. Legend has it that if you don't run away from a Lugaru, it will not kill you, but will only leave you with a terrible wound. However, it would be foolish to test this story, for a ter- it is a terrible fate to be killed by a werewolf. Yeah. They do not just eat the body of their prey, but also the soul. I was going to say, you know, like this whole, oh, well, if you just stand still, it'll only give you a big wound. This sounds like uh, propaganda by the werewolf Wolves. lobby. <laughs> yeah. For this reason, some Lugaru have been known to dig bodies out of graveyards. In movies, becoming a werewolf is tied to being bitten and one changing by one and being changed during a full moon. Mm. Neither seems to be the case with the American Lou Garou, however. Here, becoming a werewolf is the result of a divine curse for committing terrible acts like cannibalism. 
Black sorcery can also be the cause. When faced with tough times, some sorcerers place the curse upon themselves to gain the Lou Garou's terrible strength and shape-changing ability. So we're getting some like kind of Wendigo Chenu vibes here. That's also, he mentions that later in his little section. Oh, cool. But uh, legend says that one must forswear religion and be in a state of serious sin to become a Lou Not surprisingly, there is a strong association between the Lou and witchcraft. In Maine, both witchcraft and Lou were once said to have their origins in Quebec's Isle of Orleans on the St. Lawrence River. Mm, now, that's fun. we're going to crack into that story. Let's crack in. So this story, the way that this story, the one that I read, is from The Chase of St. Castine and Other Stories of the French in the New World by Mary Hartwell Catherwood from 1894. And this is titled The Beauport Lougarou. So in Quebec during uh, the... there, I could not figure out what fucking war this is. Long story short, the Montreal militia is fighting the New England, like New England... I was looking on Wikipedia and I'm like, there are a couple times this occurs. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, do they, they don't give you a date here? No. Cause okay. this is, it is told more in like a folklore story. Like, way. Oh, I see. So there's no, this is like one dates. of those, one of those times. All I happened. know is like late, like they describe fighting new England. Okay. And we, we know that it is the Montreal militia. So in Quebec, during one of the many wars, a man by the name of Gaspard lives on a farm on the St. Lawrence River. He stayed to himself. He, I don't know if he was unmarried or if his wife had died. It mentioned his wife, but it did. It just said he lived alone. So no maidens for this man. No, ma- he is maidenless. He doesn't even leave the farm to attend mass. He has the priest come to him. Okay. <laughs> and not for any particular reason. He's, he's not, just kind of like... He's not eh. infirm or anything. He's just... He's like, I don't want to go. Not feeling it. Nope. Cannot be bothered. One night, he is visited by Lemoyne de saint Helene, a soldier who is fighting the New England armies. He asks Gaspard if he intends to join the fight, but the old man says he's too weak to join the fray and he's not I'm going to. I'm old, dude. <laughs> yes. They chat idly by the fireside until, and I'm going to read you this little section because, like, it's so good. Father Gaspard, inquired St. Helene suddenly, did you ever hear of such a thing as a Lugaroo? The old inhabitant felt terror, returning with a cold feet up his back and crowding its blackness upon him through the windows. Yet as he rolled his eyes at the questioner, he felt piqued at such ignorance of his natural claims. Was I not born on the Isle of Orleans, Monsieur? Everybody knew that the island of Orleans had been from the time of its discovery an abode of the Lugarous sorcerers and all of those uncanny cattle that run in the twilights of the world. St. Helene leaned forward, resting his arms on the arms of the chair. He wrinkled his eyelids around the central points of the fire. What is a Lugaru? Does the Monsieur not know? Monsieur St. Helene surely knows what a Lugaru is, a man-wolf. A man-wolf, mused the soldier. Man-wolf man. Man-wolf man. But when a person is so afflicted, is he a man or is he a wolf? It is not an affliction, Monsieur, it is sorcery. I think you are right. Then the the wretched man-wolf is past being prayed for. If one should repent, I don't repent anything, returned 
St. Helene, and Gaspard's jaw relaxed. He had the feeling of pin feathers in his hair. Is he a man or is he a wolf? repeated the questioner. The Lugaru is a man, but he takes the form of a wolf. Gaspard experienced with us all a paradox that the older we grow, the more visible the, be the more visible becomes the unseen. In childhood, external senses are sharp, but maturity fuses the flesh and spirit. He wished for a priest, desiring to feel the arm of the church around him. It was late October, a time which might be called the yearly Sabbath of the Lugaru. And what must the Lugaru do with himself? Perused St. Helene. I should take it to the woods and sit and lick my chaps and bless my hide that I was for the time no longer a man. Saints, monsieur, he goes on the chase. He runs with his tongue lolled out and his eyes as red as blood. What color are my eyes, Gaspard? <gasps> the old Frenchman sputtered. Monsieur, they are very black. Saint Helene drew his hand across them. It must be your firelight that is so red. I have been seeing as through a glass of claret ever since I came in. Gaspard moved farther into the corner, the stool leg scraping the floor. Though every hair on his body crawled with superstition, he could not suspect Le Moyne de Saint-Hélène. Yet the familiar face altered strangely when he looked at it. The nose sunk with sudden emaciation, and the jaws lengthened to a gaunt muzzle. There was a crouching forward of the shoulders, as if the man were about to drop to his hands and feet. Gaspard had once fallen down unconscious in hanging time, and he recalled to him the breaking up and shimmering apart of solid landscape. The deep cleft mouth parted, lifting at first the corners and showing teeth, and then widening to an utterance of a howl. But the young man was still himself. This he was didn't just a really wolf. happen. Oh, okay. This did not really happen. Okay. So I return. Now I'm going to return to my summarizing. So the young man. Man, wolf, man. The young man is just sort of like, what's wrong with you? Are you scared of me? What did I do to you? What happened? What happened? And Gaspard is like, you know, we should probably end it for tonight. Like, <laughs> <laughs> please leave me. So St. Helene is like, all right. I'll go. And he leaves with this parting message. I will say this for a Lou Father Gaspard. A Lou may have a harder time in this world than other beasts, but he is no coward. He can make a good death. When St. Helene leaves, Gaspard frantically bars his door. Oh, and he shit. reinforces it with like a chair and a button, all of his firewood. He's like, nope, nope, nope. I like St. Helene, like maybe just standing outside for a moment, just like taking the night errand and he's just hearing the old man inside <laughs> frantically shoving things against a door. <laughs> yep. He says that if St. Helene is truly a Lugaru, he never wants to face it again. I think it's implied that when he lived on Orleans, he had a run-in with the Lugaru mm -hmm. because he's like, no. I don't want this. <laughs> no, 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 no. Absolutely not. He also describes that if the New England army would come down to burn his house, he wouldn't run away if it meant running into a Lugaru. <laughs> it's like, I'd rather get shot. <laughs> right, exactly. He also frets that he's like, the St. Charles River here is blessed and the Lugaru should not be able to cross it. Like, a quote unquote, a good Christian should. But the young man had said he had crossed with no issue. So is it all in his mind? Yeah. Is it just his superstition? <laughs> so shortly, a skirmish ensues, and Gaspard opens his home to injured members of the Montreal militia, including St. Helene. St. Helene is shot, and it's like, flat out. 
Like, they're like, he's probably going to die. The tale concludes with the Montreal militia shooting what appeared to be a wild dog. And the moment the hound dies, so does St. Helen. <gasps> that sounds like um, a wark or something from, like, Game of Thrones. You know, <laughs> yeah. he's, like, inhabiting the body of a, of a wolf. Right. Rather than just churning into a wolf. So that's a, and the, the, that is also interesting to me that it's like, are they just linked? Is it like a second, is it his soul on walkabout? I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? We also have this great article from Atlantic Monthly from April 1882, which is the folklore of Lower mm. Canada. Quote, the most formidable creature in Lower Canada is the Lou Garou, whose acquaintance we made at the Isle of Orleans. The Lugaru or man-wolf, was known in ancient times to both theologians and lawgivers. A council which was called by the Emperor Sigismund decided that if sorcerers often assumed the form of Lugarus, and strange tales are told by old French uh, chroniclers of the deeds of these em emissaries of Satan. Oh, I didn't know they were like... <laughs> given appointments oh yeah at a village in aubergine in 1588 a hunter was attacked by a monstrous Lou guru he cut off his paw when it which a gentleman who had been watching the combat recognized by the ring as the hand of his wife so he cuts off the hand of the Lou guru it turns into a human hand it has the wedding ring of this woman <laughs> Upon entering the house, he saw her sitting disconsolate by the liar, with one arm concealed under her robe. She confessed her guilt and was publicly burnt. In Livonia, at the end of December, what? Satan, armed with a red with a bar of red hot iron, flew over the country and summoned the Lugarus to their annual convention, which lasted twelve days. The conference has begun. There will be a continental breakfast. In room 2A. <laughs> when the gathering broke up, the delegates plunged into a river and presto, they were no longer Lugarus, but men and women. Boquette says that 150 Lugarus were seen at one time on the streets of Constantinople. Bouvot de Chauvincourt wrote a learned treatise upon a su the subject in 1590, De la translation des Hommes de Lou. There were spe two species of Lugaru in Lower Canada. One that kills and eats children, and another, like Faux Follettes, seeks the destruction of souls. The former is never seen except by children, whose evidence is not worthy of credence, inasmuch that the Lugaru appears to wicked children only. So, definitely would be showing up for you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But the existence... So, now we got Krampus wolves here. Yeah, Krampus wolves. But the existence of the latter has been vouched for by thousands of good inhabitants, the ones that are out to eat your soul. An inhabitant in the deep backwoods of St. Maurice or Lac Saint-Jean. Wait, so, wait, good inhabitants? Yeah. I'm confused by that. So sentence. basically, good Christians have seen these Lugaroo. Oh, so we, okay, okay. we know because they go to church and they're good people, right. we can trust them, whereas of we cannot trust bad children. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> we cannot trust the children. Why would you trust a child? Why would you? Never. I had a funny um, interaction with a child before I came here. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, I had my beer. I was walking out of my apartment and um, was locking up, and the kids like at, like to be nosy uh, yeah. that are, belong to my neighbor. And they um, were like looking at my beer, and they're like, hey, what's that? Because it was like the Modelo with the gold leaf on top. And I was like, oh, that's apple juice. And I just walked away. 
And then I heard the mom say, that is not apple juice. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I realized, oh, yeah, probably good to correct me because if they have beer in the house, then the kid might try yeah, to good, have some good. apple juice. <laughs> Terrible. So an inhabitant of the deep backwoods has said his prayers and is preparing to turn in for the night when he hears a shout outside and going to the door is told by a bleated teamster bound for the shanties that his neighbor at the clearing 10 miles away is lying at the point of death and there is no priest within 50 miles. The inhabitant harnesses his horses and starts without delay taking with him a bottle of holy water he brought from his native parish at easter and his beads and a petite albert a collection of prayers the wind is moaning in the forest and the trees throw gaunt shadows upon the snow suddenly he hears the sound of rushing feet and looking over his shoulder as he plies his horse with the whip discovers to his horror he's being pursued by a loup-garou ah! the fiend resembles a huge wolf but its cry is human and its eyes are like that of the faux follettes the inhabitant mutters a prayer and drives furiously it is a barred race through the woods and over the frozen streams but thanks to thanks to the good saint anne the patron of lower canada and the kind protector of the black the backwoodsmen and seafaring men the inhabitant reached the house first and placing upon an open prayer book on the table defies the loup guru to cross the threshold he is in time to sprinkle the dying man with holy water, receive his last words, and close his eyes. Then fastening his beads upon his lintel to preserve the widow and children from the Lugaru, he sets out to call the neighbors to fetch a priest, that the body may receive a Christian burial. It is proper to add that in good old times, when the inhabitant was blessed with an abundant harvest from, the vir from virgin soil, and hard drinking was the rule, il est so comme dans le bon Agnès a proverb, Lugarus were more numerous than they are now. Unquote. So, uh, yeah, the... I like these stories. These are fun. The, the Atlantic Monthly went hard. They really did. <laughs> 1882, the, like, the, the, someone was just inspired. Yeah, like, I'm going to make some fucking cool stories here. So... I dig it. All right, so we've got all this. We, you know, we've got we've got these stories about Canada. Okay, this is Canada, Brittany. It's different from Maine. You're in Maine. We talk about Maine. Canada things. should just be part of Maine, Maine at this point. <laughs> you know, Canadians, you already come down here. Most of you come down here in the summers anyway. So we welcome you with open arms. We'll take your your tourist money, but now Maine we want be... your income tax. Maine would become ginormous. <laughs> so strange Maine actually. So a lot of these strange Maine talked about a lot of these, but I went and like looked at them. So thanks to Michelle Solier for like curating these. But so in Strange Maine, there's this article from the Daily Kennebec Journal from April 10th, 1908. Bangor News. <laughs> According to a report published in the Bangor Whig and Courier three score and five years ago, the last wolf seen alive in Maine was also observed near the upper waters of Union River near the present village of Ellsworth Falls. As it paused to gorge itself upon the body of a dead horse in a clearing by the roadside nice. the beast was very old and shaky on its feet and from the slow clumsy manner in which it bit off pieces of the frozen flesh its teeth were evidently badly worn and dulled from years of constant use mm. from the carrion this beast was tracked to the shores of union river by footprints in slush and wet mud these tracks had reached a hole in the ice about 
uh, about the middle of the river they stopped and the presumption was that the wolf gorged and stupid with much food had walked to a place where the ice was thin and had broken through and was swept under the frozen current uh, coating and drowned the suspicion was verified the next day when the body of a very emaciated and aged wolf was fished out of union river in ellsworth a citizen of bangor who is also alive in good health today was present for uh, when the dripping body was rescued from the water and this gentleman believes that the wolf drowned in union river five years ago this month was the last member of its species to be seen in maine bum, bum, bum. That is something that's really interesting is the fact that, like, so from this point on, there are no wolves in Maine. Mm -hmm. Wolves, they went extinct. And Maine.gov, it, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It corroborates this story. Yeah. About uh, around uh, 1890 is the last time we see wolves. So if you see a wolf, it's probably a Luca. <laughs> at this point, Run! at this point, it is most likely a lugaroo. It's gonna get you. So, from Northeast Folklore, Volume One, Number Three, from 1958, folklore from Aroostook County, Maine, and neighboring Canada. There is a section called "Moonlight Night" by Linwood McHatton. Oh hell yeah! The moon was full, and there were a few scattered clouds in the sky. It was an early spring with the snow still on the ground. I had been calling on a friend one evening and had started home whistling along the way with many thoughts of what we had talked over during the evening. I hadn't been walking long when by some known sense, unknown sense, I felt I was being followed. I turned and looked behind me and sure enough, there was some kind of animal about a quarter of a mile back coming my way of traveling or coming my direction. It was a much larger than a dog and had a strange way of traveling. At times it would walk on four legs, then on two. The strangest thing about it was when I would uh, when I walked. It was then on a bicycle. Yes. Then a unicycle. <laughs> when I walked, it would walk. And when I would run, it would run. <gasps> I had about two miles to go before reaching home. I was sure that I couldn't outrun the animal. There were no other houses between me and my home. And whatever was following me was between me and my friend's house. So there was no turning back. I walked slowly along and I could see the distance between me and the animal closing about a quarter of a mile from home i noticed the moon was almost go (laughs) about a quarter of a mile from home i noticed the moon was almost to go under a cloud the minute the moon disappeared i started running i ran as fast as i possibly could i had just got through the door when the strange man or animal went running by it was the strangest looking thing i ever saw and i was too afraid to remember what it looked like and i'm sure if i had much more distance to go before reaching home this story Oh, man. That's fun. Yep. Strange Maine also notes an article from 1996 okay. from the Associated Press that a man in Mexico, Maine, chained himself to a tree multiple times, intentionally throwing away the keys. Speculation has led some to believe that this man was, in fact, under the curse of the Lugaroo, but there has been no word on the man's point of view. <laughs> <laughs> No one checked later, like at night. Like, mm-hmm. oh, is he still chained there, or is there a giant wolf creature? Sure. So there? all of these stories have come down through the years, and then you know we have instances like this one in the uh, um, Northeast folklore, and you know these little things where it's like, oh, there are wolves, like the Palmyra werewolves. We're like, it's probably a lugaroo. <laughs> it's most likely a lugaroo. So even though wolves were expatriated in 1890. 
The story of the Lou Guru persists and captivates the mind of many people in Maine, including our favorite horror author Stephen King uh, with his 1983 book Cycle of the Werewolf, which was then made into the film Silver Bullet, and also Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. And here's a little segment of Evangeline, A Tale of Acadie from 1847. Now, though warrior with all guile or suspicion, ripe in wisdom was he, but patient and simple and childlike. He was beloved by all, most by the children. He told them tales of the Lou Guru in the forest and of goblins that came in the night water to the horses and the white Latiche, the ghost of a child who was unchristened and died and was doomed to haunt the unseen chambers of children, unquote. And that's the Lou Guru. <laughs> wow. Wow. I wish that I, I, there's parts of me that I, like, I wish I had more, but it's so interesting. I mean, these are all pretty fascinating and it's uh, cool that there's been this like long history of uh, sort of, yeah, werewolves being part of Maine. I did also look, so I also was just curious. I started looking at werewolves in general because they have actually been, we have werewolves in a lot of different um, It's a pretty universal thing, I I would imagine. I mean, maybe more uh, closely associated with Europe and America, but like it's, it's it's pretty close to global. Yeah. So one of the things I found is, so the first, a lot of scholars believe that the first werewolf was in uh, the tale of Gilgamesh. Oh, okay. Because there is a woman who Gilgamesh spurns because she turned her former lover into a werewolf. Oh, okay. Or into a wolf. That's fair. Um, fair then, to be skeptical. You know, we there's also some like there's some um, Greek myths that have mm. a, Zeus turning a man into a wolf because yeah. he feeds he feeds this man feeds Zeus a sacrificed child, and so Zeus is unhappy about that, so he turns him and his sons into wolves. I said barbecue, not baby <laughs> And then my other favorite is, uh, and it's it, this one's really interesting because I just watched Ancient Magus Bride, and they actually have have something similar. But in Norse mythology, there there's a, a, a um, father and son that they put on wolf pelts, and that allows them to turn into wolves. Oh yeah, I remember hearing this one. So that one's pretty cool. Um, also, it's the other thing that's really interesting too about all of this coming from France specifically. Uh, Quebec and Acadia because that's where the French are. Mm. Oh, France, they are? Yeah. <laughs> oh. France itself has a lot of werewolf drama. There is a, yeah, yeah. There was that big one that was, uh, I think, around French Revolution. There was like a string I think it's of, called Gadavon. Or something. There was like a big string of like a wolf creature killing a lot of peasants in the country. There were also two prolific serial killers that claimed that they were werewolves in France as well. <laughs> All right, Edgelords. <laughs> <laughs> so it's so like the whole thing is really you fascinating. You don't want to mess with me and my I, wolf pack. It is interesting because like for a very long time, I was not really a werewolf girl. I've always been more of a vampire girl you myself. Were, you were Team Edward, not Team Jake. I was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jackson. I the the year that that movie came out, I had like a tote bag. I had T-shirts. I had like I I was in it. I was in it I to bet. win it. But one thing that is also very interesting to mention is I fucked up and I read the second book first. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a big mistake. <laughs> that was a big mistake. <laughs> but. I, yeah, and I was telling you earlier, like, Allegra and I were super big on Bella Lugosi. 
like drag like I loved the original Dracula movie. I literally any vampire and vampires were super big, especially in like teen romance. Even before, like, a little bit before Twilight, because I read Twilight, I read another series called, like, Vampire Kisses, and then also another series called Morganville Vampires. Like, I was in it to win it. But, for those of you who were more into the werewolf persuasion, today we are going to play a game. Werewolf? Werewolf! Love it. We're gonna play a game. So is this I, gonna talk about modern day werewolf depictions? Is this that... is all movies. Oh fuck. All movies. So I hope that you are good. Well, can I share my favorite werewolf? Yes, depiction? absolutely. Uh, werewolf bar mitzvah. <laughs> werewolf bar mitzvah. Spooky, scary. <laughs> I don't have that on this list. Ah, so bummer. I've got a couple questions for you, and then I also have a bonus. That I might throw your way, depending on how bad you do. Okay, good. I'll probably do that. <laughs> All right. The werewolf is the first time we saw the titular monster on film. What year did it come out? Shit. Um, I do have a hint for you as well. Yeah, give me a hint. It is a silent film. Nineteen thirty-six. <sighs> That's like so close to what Allegra said last night. It is 1913. Oh, really? That early? Mm-hmm. Damn. I was thinking, because it seemed, I remember seeing some depictions of that. I have never watched it, but I've seen like, you yeah. know, the film. And I feel like it's a little bit more advanced than that time period. But it's I also guess they're so, a little more polished. It's also so funny because like, I remember like back on the day in Tumblr, you'd find a lot of silent film bullshit. Like yeah. people were obsessed. <laughs> Next to like, uh, like hardcore porn, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> good times. <laughs> Amanda Seyfried starred in this 2011 sexy retelling of a classic fairy tale, but with a murderous werewolf. Oh, um, 2011. Did the Brothers Grimm movie have like a werewolf? I didn't watch that one. Okay, then it's very okay. Yeah, that's not that not one. It. Um, okay, hold there on. Was your 2011. Hint. Okay, yeah, hint. No, that was your hint. Oh. Because it's not the Brothers Grimm. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> cool. That's my hint. You're wrong. Um, 2011. Wait, can you say the clue again? Mm-hmm. Or the, the, so it's yeah, whatever. Amanda yeah. Seyfried starred in this 2011 sexy retelling of a classic fairy tale. A classic fairy tale. Not multiple. So no Brothers Grimm. Mm-hmm. But with a murderous, murderous werewolf. Wolf on Wall Street. Red Riding Hood. I've never seen that. Okay. If I showed you, you'd... I'd know. Yeah. Damn. In the early aughts... I should have just said it. Like, I was like, Red Riding Hood. Why is it sexy? Is the, like, skirt she wears short? Is this porn? (laughs) It looks like it. It does look like it. Hold on, let me... So I'm going to, while I look for it, here's the other, here's your next question. The early aughts saw Kate Beckinsdale and Scott Speedman play star-crossed lovers in a leather-clad film series about vampires and lichens. Oh, fuck. Underworld. Yeah! Yeah, 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 yeah. Woo! I'm on the board, baby! uh, Did you watch the Underworld series? I did. That one was pretty fun. Those were like, that was in the time when there was like a lot of these like fun I think it was like sort of a Matrix following, but like 
the Resident Evil movies and Underworld, they have the same kind of like vibe of like sexy female protagonist. Kate Beckinsale is so fucking hot in that movie. Yeah. I yeah. That was a uh, that was a wild time in filmmaking. <laughs> no, she's just got very pouty lips. I think she just There's like a romance and stuff. Damn, this and... does have like porno quality picture. Mm-hmm. Um really, wow. <laughs> That's pretty funny, dude. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I guess she's sexy. Yeah. Make that make that uh, what's under that cloak? Oh, what's under your cloak? <laughs> hey, girl, what that cloak do? <laughs> <laughs> Teen wolves are sexy. Which of the following is not the name of a real coming-of-age werewolf story? I'm Ginger s- coming. Ginger snaps. Teen wolf. Moon cycle. A werewolf boy. Cursed. A werewolf boy. I made up Moon Cycle. A Werewolf Boy is a Korean film. Damn it! <laughs> I think it's Korean. Moon All Cycle right. sounds like a good name for for like a, a teen romance with werewolves. Oh, it totally does. Yeah. I made it. Allegra's like, write it. It's perfect. But it's perfect. Um, it is actually from Melanie Martinez's new album. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Kate Beckinsdale came back for more furry fun in 2004's Van Helsing, opposite which leading man? Oh, that was uh, Hugh Jackman. Yeah, it was. Dude, I fucking loved Van Helsing. You watch that? Yes. It's it so, so funny. It's such a I funny was, movie. Again, I was in love with Dracula. I was like, Daddy! It was really, it's a, such an over-the-top movie, but I love it when he has like the fucking machine gun crossbow, and he has like the whole like 007 interaction with like the monster hunting crew and all that it's really fun uh, the the whole movie was like it, it, there's a lot it's not a good movie yeah but it could be better it's a decent action movie all right so i'm gonna get so here's here's your bonus because i think i if think you do this, you can at least because then you can at right? least make, get a 50 all right i'm gonna try and give you a 50 thank you what is the name of the 2007 Horror anthology, horror comedy anthology film that also has a, um, it also has a comic book, but one of the segments is about sexy werewolf girls stealing people, or like, uh, trying to get their prey <sighs> on Halloween night. Sounds like my search history. <laughs> um, Let me know if you want me to say that again, because I just, I didn't have it typed out, so. Hey, can you say it again? Yep. 2007 horror comedy anthology that is, has a comic book, and one of the segments is about sexy werewolf girls kidnapping boys to be their prey. Uh, tales from my search history. <laughs> I thought you might get this one because it's been super popular, but it's Trick or Treat. Oh, damn it. <laughs> I've never watched it. <sighs> we should watch it this year. We should. It's been, it's been very popular. So, uh, fail! <laughs> Do I get something if I fail? No. Would I have gotten something if I win? I actually don't have anything for you today. Damn it. It's fine. <laughs> Unfortunately. I know. I usually like bringing no, prizes. Yeah, normally some trash you don't want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
Um, well, this was a, a, such a delight. I really appreciate it. Um, I, I really love the, the depiction of werewolves. Do you have a favorite like modern day depiction of werewolves? I can't, I haven't really watched that many. I think the only ones that I've really watched are Underworld and mm. Van Helsing. Okay. So I feel like that's almost a lot of people's like sort of point of reference right now in werewolves. There isn't a yep. whole lot of werewolf media, I feel like. Not really. No. It's surprising that vampires seem to be coming, making a comeback a la Renfield and all yeah. that. But I, I feel think... like that's been going for a I while. I mean, Twilight had werewolves. Yeah, but it was like less uh, of the... Albeit... I guess it was a focus, but you know. Yeah, because there's also... There's a whole lot with that too. Because like... Based on like Stephanie Meyer, like kind of using this tribe, mm-hmm. it has given them a lot of. It's it's given them a lot of tourism. However, they've also had to do a lot of unlearning for people. Mm-hmm. So the tourists come in and they're like, "Oh, I'm really excited." To see where, you know, the people that Jacob are from, like the tribe Jacob is from. And they're like, all right, now we're going to make you sit down and watch this 20 minute video on all of the things that you know about us are wrong. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Well, you know, B, um, speaking of tourism, we're going to talk about some, this is a bad segue. Sad tourism. We're going to talk about something sad and it's tourism based and it's a mainism. It's not really sad. I actually think it's kind of sweet. Okay. I think it's a sweet thing. Okay. But it's it's not happy necessarily. Okay. Have you heard of America's Little Ambassador? No. America's Little Ambassador was um, a 10-year-old girl from 1982 named Samantha Smith. She wrote a letter to the Soviet Union urging peaceful relations and connections and hoping for peace um she has a statue uh, dedicated to her that's uh north of the main state capital and she's in front of the main state history museum is she from maine she is from maine she's from manchester maine in fact her depiction shows it's her um holding a dove that is she she is releasing with a living teddy bear uh by her feet a living teddy bear some people say maybe that it's sort of like a connection to um, Russia. The Russian's <gasps> depiction is often a bear. You know? <laughs> a circus bear. A circus bear. <laughs> okay. You know, depending on I what follow, depiction. I yeah, follow. it's usually a circus bear. I, I know that makes sense because then you could be like, it's a bear. So it's Russia. But then also she's a child. So it's a toy. It has, you know, okay. Yeah, I so. So she was an American peace activist. She was born June 29th, 1972. Mm. Um, 1982, she wrote a letter to the newly appointed general secretary of the Communist Party of the Soviet Union, who was Yuri Andropov. Uh, and, he re- and she received a personal reply from Yuri um, and with an invitation to visit the Soviet Union, which she accepted. Um she got a lot of, you know, attention by media. She was seen, uh, claimed as a goodwill ambassador. She was America's youngest ambassador in history. Um, and then she also went off to participate in activities in Japan uh, with the assistance of her father. She wrote a book 
called Journey to the Soviet Union. She later became a child actress um, and hosted a child-oriented special on the 1984 United States presidential election for the Disney Channel. Fuck, okay. She played a co-starring role in the television series Lime Street, which I've never heard of. Mm -mm. Um, Unfortunately, she died at the age of 13 when on August 25th, 1985, the flight that she was taking that was approaching the Auburn-Lewiston Municipal Airport uh, crashed short of the runway. Oh, shit. Yeah, so a insanely tragic event that took away a very, like, bright young person that was very active. I've never engagement. heard of her. She was... I've never heard of her either. I was looking for anything that was kind of, like, more interesting, like, connected to history rather than just some dumb roadside attraction that's in front of, like, a inn. That's yeah. like a 25-foot tall sailor or whatever. Um, so that has literally no Too meaning. Too soon. Too literally soon. Literally no meaning. It's fucking stupid. I mean, it's cool. But anyway. Um, so I thought that this would be more interesting. Samantha Little, like, this is an interesting, very brief moment of history. That's so crazy. Like, to think that 82 to 85, you're looking at three years where this person lived a lot of life did a lot more than some adults do in their entire entire lives. So that was really cool to see. And it's just so tragic to see that end so abruptly and just an uncontrollable fashion. But, you know, I think that's kind of encouraging though, because I think it's very easy to get frustrated with everything that's happening around you right now. Yeah. And it goes to show that, Whatever action, whatever positive thing that you think is top of mind that you feel called to should just go do it because you never know what's going to happen from there. You know, it's like 10 year old girl writes to the general secretary of the Communist Party and is suddenly a national or international figure. You know, it's like that's and it was just writing a letter. It wasn't any grand gesture or anything like that. She just chose to be an advocate for peace so do something good is this you trying to tell me to go back to nursing school no (laughs) you do you i don't think like or go yeah career is only so helpful to creating real change you know i think like it's hard to be able to find meaning meaningful activity within your workforce Mm -hmm. in your career because so many jobs are just dedicated to making people money. Mm-hmm. It's like, what's the passion? Where Who gives a shit? Um, I think it's important to look outside of like your your work and where can you impact your, your community, uh, both in a macro and micro scale. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm getting kind of corny here, but I don't know. Samantha we're Little. Of, we're, the ki- Samantha we're the kings Sm- of corn. Smith. Samantha Smith. Damn it. Did I say Little? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Samantha okay. Smith. Yeah. That's okay. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, but we're the kings of corn. So we are the okay. kings of corn, so we got heapings of it. <laughs> yeah, we sure do. I really loved your story, dude, though. I mean, it was really cool. Yeah, I... Yeah. And also, connecting to, to the French in me. <laughs> the Frenchman in me is very pleased today. We've gotten a lot of French representation over the <laughs> over the last few episodes, honestly. Whether it's good representation, that's another question. Or where you're a dirty traitor, like Joseph Junin. <laughs> <laughs> 
thank you all for listening and joining us on this this journey through werewolf history in Maine. If you want to reach out to us, you can get in. We're going to start over. If you like us, you can reach out to us at homegrownhorrorpod at gmail.com or reach out to us on Instagram at homegrownhorrorpod. Or you can also leave us a five-star review and also a review on Apple Podcasts. We would love that because we love you. (laughs) We love doing this. We do this for fun. It comes from the bottom of our black hearts Hearts. to do this show for you. Um, And yeah, we'll keep it going. So... Thanks for listening to this and potentially future episodes. Bye!